Welcome back to Fintech Business Podcast. I'm thrilled to bring you this episode, which was recorded live at Empire Fintech Conference during New York Fintech Week. I partnered with Cable's Chief Product Officer, Katie Savitz, to present a masterclass on six key developments in banking as a service and how stakeholders can use technology to respond. The first few seconds of the recording were cut off, so if it sounds like an abrupt beginning, that's why. For context, the part that's missing is discussing the transition from the OCC's Office of Innovation to Office of Financial Technology, which just recently had leadership officially appointed. With that, here's the masterclass. Did a uh, leader get appointed to head that unit? Part of the explicit mandate of that office is to support high-quality supervision of bank fintech partnerships. Yes, this means more scrutiny, but it also provides the opportunity for stakeholders in banking-as-a-service relationships to engage with the OCC, to engage with regulators. Number two key development, the OCC's 2023 supervision plan explicitly calls for a focus on third-party risk management. So for banks overseen by the OCC, how they go about monitoring, supervising, and ensuring compliance of their third-party service providers. Yes, that includes BAS platforms and consumer-facing fintechs. And that plan specifically calls for uh, assessment of BSA risk, something we've seen come up time and time again. Number three, uh, Acting Comptroller Shu's 2022 speech uh, at the Bank Policy Institute. Uh, definitely recommend reading this in full. Three bullet points is not enough to summarize it, but it specifically addressed the growth of banking as a service and concerns about growing complexity in the banking ecosystem. Counterpoint, he did acknowledge the opportunities to better serve underserved consumers. So this isn't sort of a one-way only critical. It's about balancing opportunity with acknowledging risk and figuring out how to mitigate that risk. Uh, Number four, November's 2022 U.S. Treasury Department report on non-bank firms in consumer finance markets. That's a handful. Uh, But basically, if you had to boil that down to sort of two or three points, it was addressing the growth of fintech outside of the banking perimeter specifically pointing to new risks to consumer protection and market integrity, and again, explicitly called for enhanced supervision of bank fintech partnerships. Number five, uh, the CFPB's increased focus on non-banks. So we've seen uh, Director Chopra be very active uh, on Twitter, on blogs, in press releases, Uh, about stepping up supervision, uh, including of non-bank companies that have historically kind of been outside of the CFPB's realm of supervision. Um, I would expect that we we see more activity there, uh, particularly for non-banks that have the potential to pose a risk to consumers. Again, that might be considered code for consumer-facing fintechs that are not currently directly supervised and platforms that fall outside of uh, an existing supervisory framework. Uh, And number six, should come as a surprise to nobody, the OCC's formal agreement with Blue Ridge. This is really the most um, sort of 
critical frame that we have to think about how federal regulators are evaluating banking as a service. If you haven't read it and it's relevant to your work, I would highly recommend that you do. It provides a wealth of detail on how the OCC is thinking about these risks, particularly, again, BSA and AML risks, and what the necessary personnel and controls are to mitigate those risks. Okay, we've done my top six list. Katie, with that, from your conversations with banks, platforms, fintechs, what are you hearing? You know, are they aware that these things are happening? Are they prepared to respond? Yeah, I think there's a lot of growing awareness. Everyone knows there's more scrutiny over this space, especially around financial crime compliance. And I think there is a growing fear around losing growth. What Blue Ridge shows is that if you do not have these sufficient oversight in place, growth can be absolutely taken away. So I think everyone is starting to figure out this is a new landscape, we need to level up, um, but they really aren't sure yet how to go about building their programs in response. I think a key other thing that keeps coming up is that everyone really wants to be tech forward, especially when we're talking about fintechs, um, but they're still just really feeling out what this looks like in practice because what is required really is net new. Yeah, I mean, I think if we stop and ask, what's really happening here, right? The US regulatory infrastructure is overwhelmingly focused on banks, which historically has made sense, but now that's driven a lot of innovation and growth outside of that regulatory perimeter. Smaller banks particularly are looking to capitalize on that growth, and they're doing it by partnering with fintechs and increasingly partnering with banking as a service platforms. Regulation, sadly some might say, uh, is often a lagging indicator and is reactive. It responds to a crisis. Uh, I think, you know, to survive, all stakeholders need to acknowledge these risks and figure out how to adapt. Not just the banks, but also fintechs, fast platforms, compliance providers, and so on. Yeah, 100%. Everyone needs to level up. I think, practically, what these six key developments mean is that the era of banks onboarding fintechs with little to no oversight has finished. Um, there have certainly been enough signals with that, especially what came through with the Blue Ridge order. Um, you know, we're in a new state and everyone needs to level up to the new compliance landscape. I think one thing that a lot of compliance teams we talk to wish they could do um, is to be able to outsource their compliance to another entity. Um, but really, you can't completely do that. Every institution is different. So as much as institutions want to be able to plug into a platform and push a button for compliance, um, it's not plug and play. So I think stakeholders across the board need to level up. Yeah, I mean, I think we've outlined what some of the risks and potential problems are, you know, and I really need to stop picking on Blue Ridge so much. I hope no one from there is uh, in the audience. Um, they were the first, they were probably not the last, right? And, you know, companies, platforms, fintechs need to learn from that example. You know, this topic might be a bit out of the headlines given other uh, crises that are unfolding, but it doesn't mean regulators aren't still paying attention. You know, I think the knee-jerk reaction tends to be throw bodies at the problem. Uh, the problem with that solution is it doesn't tend to scale well, and it, it, do, it also tends to be quite expensive in a competitive talent environment, which for compliance personnel, it is still one. Um, you know, instead, a new approach is needed uh, that integrates all of the stakeholders in a way where they can collaborate to solve these challenges. Yeah, exactly. So 
what is the practical compliance issue created by the bank fintech relationship? We keep saying there is one, um, but what actually is that problem? Well, really, a, the primary drivers of breakdown in compliance tend to happen when you have rapid customer growth combined with disaggregated responsibilities. And the two of those are kind of bass in a nutshell. So fintechs are looking for high growth. That's the entire reason why banks are so excited and keen to work with them. But each new fintech brings with it a whole new pool of different customers with different risks and different controls. And when we talk about BAS, there's often more players involved. It's not always just the banks and the fintechs. You've often got these middleware players like BAS platforms, BAS infrastructure. So what does this really mean for compliance teams? Well, compliance teams might have been used to managing one institution with you know, their own direct customer pool. And now suddenly they're having to deal with 5, 10, 15, 20 fintechs each with their own pools of customers, each with their own unique risks, each with their own unique controls. So you've just multiplied all of the operational layers, but haven't up-leveled the oversight that they have. So really, this demands a whole new level of compliance capabilities, not just adding more people and applying the same things you've been doing. What has generally been the approach of compliance teams that, that you've talked to about either historically how they've tackled this problem or how they hope to tackle it going forward? Well, historically, it's been very manual. Um, compliance officers work in spreadsheets. They uh, sample um, portions of accounts and hope they find everything that's gone wrong. They send spreadsheets over email to banks who then review it. And really, it just has not been working. And so I think the key thing is, you know, regulators are increasingly focusing on this question. So to answer the part of what are they looking to do now, now they're looking to bring in technology and trying to figure out the right way to do that. Because the regulators are asking, when things break and they will, who is responsible for what? And we all know that banks are the regulated institution, but in order for this to work, both banks and fintechs are going to have to work together. And I think, you know, to my point of um, they've been using spreadsheets and manual processes, a lot of banks have really legacy systems and have just been kind of throwing people at the problem and hoping that it makes do. But regulators are very directly saying this is not fit for purpose. So if there's one key takeaway from today, I think it's that business as usual compliance will not cut it in BAS. We need a better data-led, tech-forward solution that enables you to manage your customer growth along with those disaggregated responsibilities. We get asked a lot about the ideal FinCrime tech stack, because I think you know, everyone wants a more technical solution. They know it can't be done with people, but like, what does that look like? How should companies be trying to build out their compliance infrastructure? And I want to dive into that, but I think it's useful to emphasize um, a key principle that often gets overlooked. So to speak about a recent crypto action, I think we all, we're all aware of what happened with Coinbase, where they were fined 50 million for BSA AML failures. And really the problems were more operational. Basically, their compliance program had not kept up with their rapid customer growth. 
And that resulted in a backlog of 100,000 unreviewed transaction monitoring alerts and a failure to support, report suspicious activity mm -hmm. in a timely manner, which is what you would expect when you're growing at that speed and the compliance systems that have been in place just aren't ready for that level. And when Coinbase came out and kind of explained the remediation steps, it really was what you expect, and it goes to the heart of our conversation today. They focused on all the additional controls they'd added, really operational work. They'd added a um, customer risk assessment, so calculating risk ratings at sign up, built out their enhanced due diligence program, added transaction monitoring, um, a enhanced uh, automated system. And these steps make sense, and they go to the heart of probably any remediation plan um, that you need. But really the question is, and should be, with all of this spending, with all of these new compliance tools, is it enough? Is it working? Does the program actually work effectively today, and will the program work tomorrow? So in other words, companies need to identify not only where to make those investments, but to ensure that they're emphasizing achieving effectiveness. They're actually doing what they're supposed to do. Exactly. And it's, it's a little crazy that we've overlooked this for so long. Like, if you think about it, would you launch a marketing website without any analytics to see who visited it on day one? Or launch a product without any analytics to see who was logging in and what they were doing? Or bit of a scarier example, would you drive a car that had no indicator of if it was working as expected, that you were low on gas or oil or it was overheating? I very much hope not. But that is exactly what we have done in BSA AMO compliance for the last decade. We have piled on more and more controls without adding oversight, without adding with sufficient technology to have that oversight. And it's only magnified when we talk about BAS because now there are more fintechs with more controls, more complexity, and we're still operating blind. And so when compliance officers, or really teams, are thinking about what the critical parts of their tech stack should be, it needs to be what will help you answer questions about your effectiveness. So whether you're in compliance or whether you're just trying to help your company grow, you want to be able to answer this question because it's what will give you a great relationship with your bank, it's what will keep the regulators at bay, and it's what you need. I mean, it's kind of crazy that in any area of business, effectiveness wouldn't be a key consideration, particularly given that the regulators are paying a lot of attention to this as well. Exactly. I think we really have to think about what are we trying to solve for? So we need monitoring, we need oversight, we need assurance that you understand what the risks are, what the controls are, and what is working. And you know, for banks, it's about that visibility over their fintechs, but for fintechs, it's really about how do you assure your partner banks that everything is fine? With all of this increasing regulatory scrutiny and pressure, it's only going to make that relationship trickier. And again, even if you're not in compliance, this is the thing that you should care about. Um, there was a recent report saying that 40% of fintech and partner bank relationships fail, largely due to operational issues. Those relationships are tricky, and it is only going to get harder in this new landscape. 
And so they've got to figure out you know, how to work together, how can banks make sure they've got the visibility they need and the fintechs are providing that assurance. But why does effectiveness matter, period? I mean, to your point, I think it's a little wild that we've gone this far without you know, it mattering, but um, to zoom out, you're spending a lot, it's not working, and it will break. To add some more specifics to that, um, over $270 billion is spent worldwide on compliance every year. 60 to 80% of that um, goes towards people. And the number one way that compliance teams try to understand if controls are effective is by manual testing, looking at a sample of accounts and trying to see if anything's gone wrong. But with all of that spend and with all of those people, we're still only able to test less than 5% of accounts. So unsurprisingly, it's not working. And if banks can't figure out how effective their own controls are, then how in the world could they be expected to do this across a growing number of fintechs in their portfolio? Like, the short answer is it will break. Controlling that risk across fintech portfolios was also a major component of what we learned from that Blue Ridge order, right? Absolutely. The regulators are increasingly talking about effectiveness particularly. The Blue Ridge order had specific language repeatedly calling for an assessment of the effectiveness of the bank's policies and procedures. It's not enough to have them. They have to be able to evidence that they're working. And the OCC's 2023 supervisory plan called out effectiveness as well. Really, it ties to increasingly you have to be able to show, not tell, that your program works and be able to show how your tech stack helps you achieve that. And how can a tech stack help uh, FinTech, a bank, a BAS platform, demonstrate that to internal stakeholders or regulators? Yeah, so I think to understand that, it's helpful to drill down to two key compliance tasks. So when it comes to BAS compliance, what are the two things that matter most? It starts with understanding risk better. The bank's own risk, the fintech's risk, how the fintech's risk impacts the bank's risks. And then it comes down to being able to monitor that changing risk and improve oversight and monitoring of controls. So understanding what controls are in place, how effective they are, quickly remediate issues, and report on suspicious activity. And for a bank or a platform, those risks are going to vary across their fintech partners who are engaged with different customer bases, running different programs, et cetera. Exactly, and if you care about onboarding time, if you care about this relationship with the bank, this needs to matter. So to have a better understanding of your own risk, there's a few just key practical things that everyone should be doing. So you need to be reviewing your own risk assessment more than annually. Things can change quickly, especially in BAS. You need to be updating your risk assessment when control failures happen. We know things break, things don't always work as expected. How does that impact your residual risk? Can you show that to senior stakeholders so that you can ask for the right resources to prioritize a fix? For solutions, technology can really help here. And there are a lot of providers that can get you out of spreadsheets for risk assessments. Um, Arctic Intelligence, 
Acumenor, um, and Cable, we've built one as well. Then when it comes to better understanding the fintech risk, first, banks need to require all fintechs to perform a risk assessment that has a standardized methodology. If all fintechs are using completely disparate risk assessment methodologies, how in the world can a bank compare these and understand how that risk compares to each other, much less what it means for them? They need to have some sort of standardization to understand, here's the risk these customers pose, here's the core information I need, and then they can understand how that impacts them. Um, for solutions, consultants can be really helpful here in terms of providing templates and methodologies. There's also a number of platforms where you can collect documents. Um, we've also built that into Cable. The last core thing here is understanding how the FinTech's risk impacts your own. This is a huge challenge. You need to understand what impact those fintech risk has on your own risk profile and your risk appetite. So again, some technology can help here. We have built this in Cable. Um, or you can also work with consultants. I know some BSA officers who built this out in Excel to be able to understand the specific impact across those. It seems like a key issue is fostering consistent communication like across this entire stack, right? As this is become disaggregated, more people are involved in disparate places. And I mean, I love Excel as much as the next uh, ex-banker, ex <coughs> but I, you know, I have to imagine there are better ways of doing it. Absolutely. It's both a process and a substantive issue. Um, how do you get all the information to do a risk assessment, and then how do you integrate that into your own? Um, the second main task is oversight and monitoring of controls. So really, it starts with understanding what controls are in place. Controls register is a great tool that not enough people utilize. Even if a fintech is new, you need to understand what they have in place for launch. But then really it goes to control effectiveness. Do you know if those controls are working and if they break that you'd know about it right away? You need to figure out what data you need to be able to monitor um, your fintechs and understand the oversight. So what are those pieces of data? Who has it? How can you facilitate that data sharing? And how can you get it in a way that is smooth and simple? Technology like cable can really help with that, especially if headcount is a blocker. We've um, automated oversight and assurance so that you can get the data that you need and understand if you have any breaches of regulation or failures of controls. And then as we know, when issues arise, um, you have to remediate them and quickly. So making sure that you've got shared visibility between fintechs and banks of what's come up, how you're gonna tackle them, and a clear way forward. So having things like um, shared workflow tools, agreed roles and responsibilities, shared language and understanding about issues, and prioritization. I think we need to wrap it up or John's gonna come and kick me off stage. Yeah, so I mean, to sum up, yeah. the compliance landscape has changed. BAS in particular is impacted. The tools that we have today are simply inadequate. And if you want to have the trifecta of full compliance, resource efficiency, and onboarding speed, you need to level up and need to bring in new technology. Yeah, I don't think BAS is going anywhere, but compliance is front of mind, and it can be a competitive advantage. And we will leave it there. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you.